The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back. The NBA is almost here. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds for their upcoming games. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Another edition of the Bird Calls. Uh, I am David Grubb, and I'm here with Ali Cosell, and we have a very special guest with us today, um, contributor to NOLA.com, Jeff Asher. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing well, uh, as well as we all can. <laughs> That's be. a lie, right? Every every time anyone ever says that these days, it's a lie. But we all <laughs> as have to well say as it. we can be, as well We're as still we cordial can. enough. Yeah. Yes, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't murdered anyone yet from stir craziness. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> uh, Jeff, why don't you tell folks first uh, about your background um, and, and how you uh, came over to, to NOLA.com and became a contributor, especially during this time? Yeah, I'm a um, native New Orleanian. I uh, went to the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns. Um, and was up in DC for about seven years working for DOD for a year and the CIA for five years doing analysis stuff. Um, moved back home, geez, almost seven years ago and um, have worked as a crime analyst down here. And uh, about a year, a little over a year ago, I started a company, a consulting company with my buddy and we do just basic uh, analysis serving organizations that want to do analysis but don't have the uh, capability within them. Um, and uh, I, when COVID hit up, it just sort of started to seem like something that is needed to understand from a data perspective. And so um, I like tweeting. And so I started tweeting about COVID and following it. And um, about um, a little over a month ago, I started writing a weekly column for NOLA.com and, and Times Picayune on just sort of the data trends in COVID. That's awesome. Yeah, Jeff, that's, that's perfect lead into my next question because as we, as, as you know, right, New Orleans was one of the first communities to get hit really hard with the COVID-19 disease. And um, you, you monitor it every day. I remember all of a sudden starting seeing all these wonderful, beautiful graphs that basically depicted on what was going on in our own backyard. So I'm curious, um, what did you learn during this time about the coronavirus and such as, as we're going to get ready to ask you some questions about the NBA, but what did you learn as to basically the, the safety 
on whether you know events can be conducted you know safely by following certain protocols um, and, and just your general perception of this disease and how we should react to it still to this day. Yeah, well, we've learned a lot, and um, I, I feel like it's important to differentiate things that we're learning about the virus, new things, and new developments of the virus. So, like you know, the virus mutating versus us learning about different things about the virus. Um, we we are learning every day, every week. Um, the recent protests um, against police violence that really started back in early June have actually been an important learning opportunity about COVID. Um, here in New Orleans, we had five, six days of, of protests down here, and um, we've had no spike in cases. Uh, there was no spike in cases in Minneapolis. There was no spike in cases in New York City, and that's great. We're, we're happy that, that fewer people got sick, but it's also an important learning point about where the disease spread. So um, outdoors, most of the protesters wearing masks, um, not a huge surge in cases. And that tells us that some things that we suspected about the disease in that masks are extremely important and outdoors is extremely important as far as, as well-ventilated outdoor locations for unlikelihood of the virus spreading, which is not to say that, that people didn't catch the virus from the protests. They almost certainly did. It just wasn't a super spreader event in the cities that we have data on. Um, compare that to just in the paper a couple of days ago, there was a big graduation party, whole bunch of people got sick at it, uh, Tigerland bars in Baton mm -hmm. Rouge, 100 cases or something like that from people indoors, no masks, partying, having fun. Um, so it sort of creates the parameters of what is safe and what is not safe. Um, obviously, for a basketball game, that means that Lots of people indoors yelling and screaming, probably not wearing masks and doing so is probably a bad idea. Um, with, but it doesn't mean that necessarily you can't have games safely. It just means that the way that the NBA is set up, it's probably going to be difficult to involve fans at this point, um, which I don't think is in the plans right now. But baseball, maybe you could have a limited number of fans that are attending games and uh, you know, people wear masks and the, the games are, are almost all outdoors. So maybe that's something that conceivably you could do with a limited number of fans is, is what we're learning. Um, the other thing that I think is important is in terms of measuring the progress of the disease, because it, the, the easiest metric that we have is cases, the number of cases. So, um, you know, Louisiana today had um, something like 800 or 938 new cases announced. That sounds really bad, and it is bad, but it's not as bad as it seems because uh, the cases are only important in comparison to the number of tests that you ran. This is a, a disease where the number of actual people that get that to get a positive case um, confirmed by a test is about every uh, five to ten times lower than the actual number of people that have the disease. So if you have a hundred confirmed cases, you probably have somewhere in the 500 to 1,000 number of cases that actually happened. Um, so what this means is that if you ran 1,000 tests and uh, you, know, you, um, you got three or 30 of those were positive, so you had 3% of your cases were positive, that means that you're probably not having a lot of the disease. If you run 1,000 tests or 500 tests and 30 of them are positive, that means you've got 
And so if you run, you might have 30 cases returned in consecutive days, but if you run 50 of them or 500 tests one day and 1,000 the next day and you have 30 each day, one of those results is good, one of those results is bad, and the number of cases is really just a reflection on the number of tests. So as we look at what really matters here is my long way of saying that the percent of tests that are positive is really the most important metric right now. And you want that to be really below 5%. Um, New York, it's about a percent and a half. In New Orleans, it's about two and a half to 3%. Um, statewide in Louisiana, it's been about 7%, up from about 5% last week or two weeks ago. So that tells us that in New Orleans, the disease isn't really spreading, but elsewhere, it probably is spreading a little bit. So in, in that case, let's look at Florida in particular, Orange County, um, where the NBA will be going. Um, its rates are exploding. Its cases, the number of cases are exploding. Florida now has you know, more cases than a number of countries. And this is where the NBA is going with a bubble that is not actually a bubble. Uh, medically speaking and, and just trend-wise, is this the wisest thing to do uh, at this point? Well, no, the, the wisest thing to do is not play. Um, and any games that you're going to play is going to carry some level of risk. And I'm not a medical doctor. I can't necessarily diagnose exactly what that risk is. But um, Florida right now is definitely going through a pretty substantial growth of the disease. And it looks like in the case numbers, you know, they made all these plans. It really looks like it just started about three weeks ago. It probably started a couple of weeks before that because it takes some time to show up in the case data. But Florida had done okay until they started to reopen and things started to pick up. And so uh, just today, they reported over 5,000 new cases um, and almost 10% of the tests were positive. Over the last seven days, they're mm. averaging. Um, you know, a, a significantly high number of new cases per day. It's about three to 4,000 per day. And somewhere in the 15 to 20% range of tests have been positive. And that's, that's really bad and shows that not only is, are your cases going up, but the percent of tests that are positive going up means that you're not capturing as many cases. So your actual growth is much bigger than what you're actually capturing in the people that you're testing. Um, how do you do that safely without compromising people without, um, you know, I guess if you had a true bubble, you could in theory do everything that you needed in just that bubble and you wouldn't right. have any issues there, but it doesn't sound like, I think I saw the ringer article that talked about it as a mesh hat. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to work as a mesh hat. It, I guess it, it's something that you're going to get your feet to the fire and, when the first player is diagnosed or gets seriously ill with it, um, there's a high likelihood that I think we're going to have to make decisions. Are we continuing on or is this not worth the risk of the livelihood and health of the players and the coaches and the staff? Jeff, since you mentioned this higher positivity rate, um, have you seen, read, or just know of how much that could potentially affect a scenario like this as to where say in another part of the country where it's a really low number to, like I said, what it's, uh, Florida is currently experiencing, how much of that risk does it translate directly, um, you know, to people trying to protect a certain area, which we know, as we just described, is not a bubble and the NBA wants to call it a campus. 
So I'm just curious, like I said, on your opinion, on how much of an elevated risk is the NBA now taking because of this rise in those cases in Florida, especially in that Orange County area? Well, it's huge because it means that you're not capturing with your current testing capability a large share of the spread of the disease. And that means that there's a lot more opportunities for people to get sick. In New Orleans, where it's about 25 to 3% positive, there's not as much disease spread. The likelihood of um, anybody getting sick is lower. Um, and the likelihood that you're testing, your current testing capacity is capturing the fullness of the disease is much mm -hmm. higher when it's at 25 to 3% then if it's 15%, that means that there's a ton of cases that you need to be expanding your testing to be able to actually figure out how many cases you've got. Um, so it, it, it just means that there's a lot more uncertainty and a lot more unknown, as opposed to if you're doing it in New York City right now, it's like one, one and a half percent are positive. That conceivably could mean that there's no cases and every test is a, that every positive test is a false positive. Um, it, it means that there's a lot much less spread and your current testing capability is capturing the spread of the disease much better. Um, I, we, we really don't know a lot about Florida and especially in uh, the central and northern, northern part of the state where they didn't get hit as hard early in the disease and now maybe you're getting hit much harder right now. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back. The NBA is almost here. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds for their upcoming games. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. If I could have just one more minute of your time. Look, following the senseless murders of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, countless other black community members, we want to ensure we do what we can to make a tangible impact on those communities. So Armchair Media will be issuing two $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. We're also working with organizations that may allow us to crowdfund. Now, thanks to donations by myself with the help of our friends at Saints Happy Hour Podcast and uh, one of our listeners, Music Is My Refuge, that number should potentially grow to four. Please DM me if you want to contribute. Look, if you've ever been dismissed as having an unrealistic career path, if you butted heads with parents or teachers, if you have feared to express yourself or, or put your work into the world due to backlash, please apply. We recognize that there are creatives out there who may have bypassed college, who, who didn't get into college because maybe their passions didn't translate to college, or, or maybe you simply didn't have enough money to go to college. This is why there's only three requirements. An aspiring creative African-American, you must be under the age of 21, and you have to submit a project. That can be graphic design, photography, writing, audio, video, journalism, creative writing, whatever. Just submit it, scholarship, at armchairallamericans.com. That's scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application. Uh, as we look at this going forward, if there's a, the likelihood of a tragedy and the, the situation that we're putting these athletes in, it seems as if we know two things. We need masks and we need distance. Even in these situations where you have this campus, you're still in a hotel situation with guys 
you still have these teams that are going to be with each other. We know now also that you can be, you can have this virus more than once. Um, I, I, I just wonder logistically is, uh, you know, how do you pull this thing off? And then, like you said, you know, going, if there is something that happens, if you do have an athlete beyond just having to be quarantined, if you get to the point where you have an athlete lose a lung, when you have that it, on the NBA level, how do we deal with something like that in our cities, like in New Orleans, where you have high school programs, where you have, um, you know, it, it, where you're going to see bunches of people coming back and congregating in their high schools when students go back to class or things like that? It just seems like uh, they, no matter what the model, maybe the best decision is just to not have sports. I mean, it's by far the best decision. It's it's hard. Like, I, I want to see the Saints. The Saints are going to be good this year. The Pelicans, I want to see Zion play. Like, that was exciting. Um, it It's one of the things that just sort of sucks about this entire situation, and that's not even getting into the tragedy and the health outcomes and things like that. Um, the, the real answer is that testing every day is probably your only bet. Um, everybody in your bubble should get tested every day, and you got to get results back quickly. And if you do that, then there's you can limit the amount of spread of the disease. So there may be somebody that gets sick or a couple of people that get sick. But if you find it very quickly, it doesn't spread. Um, absent that, I don't know how you actually avoid the spread. It's it's especially in a place like Orlando. If if you can't wall off yourself and quarantine the entire NBA in the Magic Kingdom for two months. Um, and you're you have to allow in people it it just and the disease is there and you're not testing every day there's just no way that you're going to catch it and um it's it's easy to think about okay the nba is packed that's going to be great um it's going to be hard when the first person gets it and we have to actually talk about how i mean and and we know that rudy gobert had it um a bunch of players have tested positive for it uh, NFL players are testing positive for it. MLB players are testing positive for it. it it's not going to be new that a player gets it. It will be new that a player gets it while they're trying to play. Um, mm-hmm. or, and play through it, that yeah. will be a difficult situation to get through. And the last, the last time we knew that a player got it, we shut down the entire league. Right. So, yeah. The NBA is committed to not doing that this time. Right. They've said they're going to play through it. They think they can handle. They're expecting. They've even said, I don't know if you've heard that, Jeff. They're expecting that at least several players are going to get this disease, but that's why they've set up this, you know, this isolation protocol on how to follow through with that and, and for that player on, on quarantine and such. What I'm curious about, Jeff, is how many tests do you, I don't know if you know the answer to this. How many tests is Florida currently doing? Because the reason I ask is the only way the NBA, I think, can create a bubble is if they were to basically test all of the Disney workers that are going to be on campus. Cause you can't just obviously choose the, Disney workers are going to be inside the bubble, like the cleaning rooms, working in restaurants, because then suddenly you're placing a higher premium on their life, right, than the rest of the Disney employees. So I'm curious, because I think there's about 43,000 Disney workers, and you got to think the NBA is about to allow, what, around 2,000 people inside. So do you know how many tests Florida has, and, and do they have the capability of raising that number to where they could meet that kind of demand? Um. I mean, in theory, they could. Uh, they average about 30,000 tests per day, which sounds like a lot, but it's a big state. It's got, what, 21 million people in it? Right. Um, so 
Louisiana, for example, has been testing about 12,000 per day over the last week, which mm -hmm. is, you know, less than a third, but Louisiana is one seventh the size or one sixth the size. So um, in terms of rate, Florida has been low, but has been picking up um, as of late. I don't believe their testing figures have really increased. Um, in the start of June, they were averaging, you know, about about the same number of tests per day as a little under 30,000. And over the last seven days, they've been averaging a little under 30,000. So um, it's not necessarily something where you see an expanding capacity in testing, which doesn't mean it can't change. If I, if there's a will, there's a way. And I think Disney announced today that they're not, or at least in California, they're not gonna be opening shop in mid-July. So it's very plausible that Disney won't open and they're able to do it without much impact. Um, but again, I'm not in the inner circle of the NBA planning, so I don't know which of these these issues they're considering. Jeff, how many tests are being conducted real quick in, in the U.S. alone every day on average? Do you know? I do know. Um, today, <laughs> there were 640,000 tests conducted. That okay. was the biggest number we had yet. There were almost 42,000 cases, though. That was the biggest number that we had yet. Um, if you look at the percent positive, we sort of hit our bottom nationally at around 5% in early June. And yesterday we had over seven and a half percent nationally positive. Uh, today it was six and a half percent. So cases are definitely rising and cases are rising largely in three places, Arizona, Florida, and Texas. Um, they're rising in North Carolina, South Carolina. There's a bunch of places that where the case number is rising. States. What's that? Oh, I'm just saying it's mostly the red states. I mean, quite in the southern red states. Uh, sort of. It, it's a lot of it is the states that didn't get hard hit hard first. Um, Louisiana has seen more cases, but Louisiana isn't seen an, an incredible surge in cases like Arizona, Texas, and Florida has. Arizona, something like 21 percent, 22 percent of their tests are coming back positive, and they're returning a couple thousand. Um, Texas has returned as many positive cases in the last three days as they did in the first six weeks of the pandemic. And they had fewer tests in the last three days than in the first six weeks. So um, week was crazy. <laughs> oh, there's one thing yeah, I it, definitely want. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish up. No, I was just say it, it, it's crazy. It's a good, good place for it. The, 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 the one thing I think too, that uh, statistically, if you could talk about is the increasing numbers of young people, because you know, that's part of this whole image is that, Oh, young people are fine. They'll be okay but we're seeing more young people getting sick. And could you just talk about that trend? Well, so that's actually a difficult thing to say for sure. It looks like in the data, but the problem is that early in the pandemic, only the, only the six, sickest people were tested. So when right. we were collecting okay. the early data on who was getting sick, it was only sick people, which was which skewed uh, older. So there's this there's a graph going around about the median age of Florida, um, of, of Florida COVID patients. And it's, you know, in early March, it shows it was 65 and now it's like 38 or 36. And if you look at the actual test numbers, they only tested a hundred people in the first week of March. So of course that it was gonna skew much older. Um, the problem is that we don't have the number of tests conducted by age of the person that got tested. So we would really need the number of cases by age and the number of tests by age and then we could see, okay, you know, the, the percentage of, of tests of young people that get it is 
seven and a half percent, while the percentage of, of tests that are positive of old people that get it is three percent. That tells us that it's growing in young people and not in old people. So it, it there's a lot of places where we're getting a lot more cases of young people, but that may be just that testing is generally wider available and young people want to go out and things are open and they have more impetus to get tested than an older person. That's just, I'm going to sit at home and and it doesn't matter and I'm not going to ever go get tested. Hmm. All right, Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot, buddy. We've seen that the PGA Tour, you know, and you just talked about difference between inside, outside, and especially being helpful, being outdoors. But, you know, there's PGA Tour players, there's caddies getting sick. What do you think is the likelihood of the NBA getting through their entire schedule, getting all the way through the finals and completing the uh, NBA bubble games, so to speak? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. We I mean, won't my, hold my you to it, buddy. We won't hold 100%. you to it. <laughs> well, I, I just think that there's so much interest in doing it. I don't even want to say there's so much riding on it. There's not, a, there's not, other than money, I don't know what else is riding on it. Um, I feel like at the Pelicans, it's in their interest to not get anybody hurt and, and not have anything bad happen. Um, so, you know, for the Pelicans, it, it, it's great. It'd be great to watch them, but who cares? Um, and I know lots of people care. You guys care. I'm talking on a Pelicans podcast, but uh, the, the NBA seems like they want to do it. And they could have very easily canceled the season and not go through all this. And it's kind of the, where there's, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, I think that they're probably committed enough to dealing with the repercussions. If, if somebody gets like really sick and dies, that, that may be it. But other than that, um, and the likelihood of, of NBA players, you know, young guys in their, their twenties and early thirties of, of something serious happening is probably pretty low but there are enough people and cases are rising enough that maybe something terrible does happen. And if that happens, I would say maybe they would shut things down, but absent that, I think they're going to keep going through. Yeah. Cause I, uh, just to wrap, I mean, I have seen some things recently where um, there was talk about uh, just <clears throat> the, the, the possibility of more players um, you know, backing out because of these concerns and the lack of overall data that we have as things change, could just a change in data make us change decisions? Could a, let's say in November, if we ha- it, when the election occurs or something, it could this, just the, the mindset of the country could, I mean, you know, how, how much could that play a role? Are, are, are these things, you know, you know, I, I guess it's not, you know, it's not something that you could say def- definitively, but I'm just thinking if the trends go in the, in a direction as we get more tests and we get more information, as you say, and if we find mutations, if we find these things that can happen with viruses like this, are we going to have to have something that we regret happen in order to pull back? I, I mean, I don't think that we're, and not just because of the politics, I think that we needed to shut down in March because we didn't have the testing capability to do anything else. Now we have a general understanding of how this spreads. We have a general understanding of things to avoid and we can, with testing capability and contact tracing capability, we can develop means of avoiding this from spreading. And um, maybe you'll have outbreaks, but in theory you can contain them. so I, I don't think that we're going to have a, any any epiphany or change in political leadership that's going to lead to 
okay, we need to shut everything down. Um, someplace like Florida, maybe, okay, we need to close some of the things that we opened that we shouldn't have opened. Um, and we need to encourage people to wear masks and, and we need to improve our testing capability. But I think that we've reached the point where we know enough of how to fight this successfully if we want to. Um, the issue has been how want to. do we get people to want to? And it, and in March, we needed to shut down because that was our only choice. And there were places that the virus wasn't at that probably didn't need to shut down, but we didn't have the testing capability to know where those places were. Now we have the testing capability to know where those places are. We can avoid the huge rash shutdown that we had a couple months ago. Is there anything that you think that we should uh, let our listeners know before we wrap up? Uh, nothing comes to mind. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Crimealytics. If anybody ever wants to come see some dad jokes and occasional crime <laughs> stats and COVID stats. <laughs> Jeff, we well, need a prediction. Will the, will the Pelicans get in the playing tournament, possibly the playoffs? Yeah, I think they're going to win it all. Okay, good. Okay, all right. I have to yeah. make up for my nobody cares, this, right. my nobody cares comment. Yeah, end, end it on high note. End it on high. So folks don't, don't get aren't mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, uh, thank you so much again. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. I think uh, it was some great information. And, and the more we get our, the fans informed, the more we get the public informed, uh, I think it's just really important going forward so that we know what we're all getting ourselves into. And like you said, be prepared to uh, react and, and, and move as we need to. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it. Thanks again. Um, for Ali Cassell, I am David Grubb. And uh, until the next time, let's go Pels. Where's the record thing now? Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.